What's up, everyone? Shane Larson here from the Game Time Guru Podcast. Excited to be here with you guys for another amazing interview with another amazing guest. This story is super, super special. It's a story of perseverance. Um, it's a story about how you can survive and thrive. We're talking to a former child slave from Haiti who made his way to the United States when his adoptive parents took him in and how football has guided him throughout the rest of his life. You do not want to miss this episode of the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time Boost! This is the Game Time Guru podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you, as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's going on, everybody? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. I am your host, Shane Larson, coming to you from Boise, Idaho. Excited to be here with you for another interview. This is the first interview in August 2021, and I want to say thank you to all the listeners who are out there supporting me. Whether you're new to the show right now, this might be your first time listening, or you've been with me from the very beginning or somewhere in between, I say thank you. I just want to thank everybody. We have hit 91 different countries. We've reached over 68,000 downloads of the show, and it's all because of the support that you guys have shown me. So I just want to say thanks to everybody there. If you guys haven't done so already, and you'd be so kind, I'd appreciate it if you could leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, because the more reviews you get on Apple Podcasts, the more the show gets out to more people. It grows. It reaches a larger audience, and that way our stories from our guests can be heard by more people. So today, we're going to have an awesome, awesome discussion with Gallaudet's junior running back, Cass Mastropalo. I'm not going to say his last name again, but Cass is joining us to share his very, very unique and inspiring story with us today. And we're going to be talking about life and sports and the difficulties and everything in between uh, and Cass is going to share with us today. So, Cass, thank you so much for joining us, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So, funny story is I'm going through Instagram the other day, and I want everybody to understand this. I'm, 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 I love to do research for stories that I think would be unique and um, impactful for my audience and for my show. And I come across an Instagram page called Untold Athletes. I would highly uh, encourage everybody to go um, – follow that page. I don't know who runs the page, but whoever it is, great job. I give them a shout out right here. I'll tag them in the post as well. But I come across this story and I'm like, oh my gosh, this, this is a story I want to, I want to hear from the man himself. And we're going to rewind the clock before you got to, to Gallaudet University as a running back. So most people cast would probably say, oh, well, he's just a running back over at uh, a university and this and that, but we're not even going to start there. We're going to start and this is where the story is super intriguing because you're not from the United States. You're from Haiti. And uh, I want to talk about this because this is a vital piece to your story. You're born in Haiti. Talk to us about your childhood a little bit. Let's let's learn about what it was like growing up in Haiti and the struggles that you went through as a child. So first of all, um, I'd like to thank everybody for coming out here watching this show. And um, I just wanted to say I grew up and uh well i was first born in a shack so 
I would just, I just came out out of nowhere and my parents couldn't, my biological parents couldn't take care of me. So they either like gave me up or I got lost in the street with my brother, Emmanuel. And then like, we would be eating from like trash. We would be sleeping on grounds. We were homeless. I mean, Haiti is just as poor as you can think. Like poverty goes there every day and so many more, more than you would experience in America and even maybe other countries. But um, it's a third world country. So yeah, um, I ended up being captured by human traffickers and they took me in as like a kitchen slave where I would like, you know, wash dishes, um, run errands and carry dishes to family. But it turns out the rest of X system, first of all, the rest of X system is known as a modern day slavery in Haiti. Um, so I was a child slave, but like some people don't understand, like the rest of it is not good. Like some people think, some people think, well, if I give my children for the better, or they go to the rest of that system themselves, they'll get schooling or more rewards out of it. But no, that's not what happened. What happened is kids end up being like sent to random strangers or even family members and um, they end up getting abused. They don't get fed very well. I mean, they get mistreated. And if you have a disability, you get mistreated even worse. I mean, I had to deal with like PTSD, ADHD and hearing loss myself. I'm hard of hearing myself for those that didn't know. And then like the other thing I would deal with was like diseases like typhus, measles, tuberculosis, and many other things. And then I had like a really bloated stomach from malnutrition, from the lack of nutrition I was getting. I was a kid that was like really skinny sickly kid but other than that um you wouldn't get anything back in return that was good it was just like you were abused every day and um turns out the someone was walking by and it was a it was a white lady she was white lady she was a missionary she walked by something just made her brave enough to walk by and say, Hey, I see this kid is struggling and I see what's going on. And, you know, rest of X system is not good. So she walks, she walks through the, I don't know how she managed to do it. I mean, I don't know if I'd be brave enough to do it, but she walked through, she saw me and I was on the slave market being ready to get sold to another place had no idea where I was going. And um, the thing was, the thing was uh, that she bought me for 60 bucks. 
So I ended up being robbed for 60 bucks. And then um, before I left, I had a brand. I had, I had a brand. I don't know if you can see it. I had a brand of the slave owner's name on the, on my arm. And at the time, I was like around the age of three when this all happened to me. So the slave market ended up burning it again just to burn the name off so nobody would see it. And then after that, I went to the orphanage called Lambs of St. Michael. Lived there for a couple of years, but the thing is I found out another family wanted me, but it wasn't a family in Haiti. It was a family in America and they were all white people and they are the Master Apollo family. So the Master Apollo family, they were doing as much as they could to get me to come to America. I was supposed to come, I was supposed to come earlier to him, but like paperwork and, you know, bodyguards and many other issues in Hades you know, affected it. So I had to, so I had to like wait. So then I ended up being adopted in 2005 of December 29th. The, the other good part about it though, was that uh, the good part about it was that the missionary since my parents tried to come down to Haiti to get me, the missionary said, she'd end up taking care of it. And there were many other kids, like five, six other kids that were supposed to go to a family in America. And that didn't end up happening. And I was the only one that ended up making it through. The other kids didn't. So yeah, I first met my adoptive parents in Miami and here comes the funny story. So, <laughs> so um, I didn't know what like food was because when I was in Haiti, even in the orphanage, I was literally like just eat mostly rice every day, or you hardly ate at all. They were having trouble putting food on the table all the time. That's just how poor Haiti was. So. My first meal was pizza, and then I demolished that whole thing <laughs> without a problem. <laughs> it was funny. But then the other thing was, you guys are probably going to think this is funny, but I always tell this story. The other thing was I went to try to go to the bathroom. You would think I would go to the toilet, but I didn't go to the toilet. I went to the planter and ended up peeing in the planter. My adopted parents looked over and said, we gotta teach him, you know, ways to go to the bathroom because in Haiti, I never learned that. Haiti, I would just basically go to the bathroom anywhere I want. Wow, man, this is, this is crazy though. Like this is, this is deep too. And I want people to realize like, okay, whew, take a deep breath real quick before I kind of unpack that. There's a lot to unpack. 
Um, a couple of things I took note of when you were talking, Kaz, was you mentioned your brother, Emmanuel. Um, you know, you had mentioned him a little bit. You were running in the streets when you were a little kid with Emmanuel because you were basically homeless. Um, and then you got caught up in the child slavery system over there, yeah. picked up by human traffickers. Now, did Emmanuel, do you still have a connection with him or did he get split up from you? Like, what was the relationship with your brother and um, whatever ended up happening happening between the two of you guys? I actually don't know what happened to him, but like we did, we've had a little connection like um, in Haiti when I was in the orphanage, he'd visit a little bit. And I do have a picture of that just not on me right now, but um, I can send that to you like later though. Okay. But the thing is um, he, we found out um, from the earthquake, 2010, 2011, when it happens in Haiti, um, we found out that um, from my sister in France, Nika, she, um, her parents, her mom I met, was looking for the same person that my family was looking for. And it was Emmanuel that we were both looking for. Oh, and did they so, ever did they ever find out what happened? Did, did he get caught up in the in the earthquake? Um, he, I, um, he's still alive and stuff. So, yeah. Other than that, we we do like we've contacted each other through like Facebook and Instagram, but my sister Nika ended up being adopted in France, and so like, yeah, it, um, it was nice to know that I had another family member because I never knew who she was she was and I didn't even know she existed but like but like I don't even know like my other brothers and sisters that I have. Man, that's that's so crazy to me. But it does go to show like I want the listeners to understand this. Those who are here in the United States and you know just understand that things are different in different parts of the world. Like it, it's not it's not always, you know, peaches and cream, you know, I mean, I, I had the privilege of living in Brazil for two years right. and even in Brazil, like it's nothing close to what you're explaining there. Uh, we, but it was a lot different. And I had a little bit of a taste of what a third world country is kind of like, but it wasn't nearly where I lived. Wasn't nearly as bad as what you're explaining, but it gave me a lot of perspective. Um, it gave me a lot of perspective from where I'm from, because here in the United States, I think we take a lot of things for granted. Um, and we don't realize how bad it really is over in Haiti. Yeah. Now, as you're talking um, I'm a big, big fan, very familiar with Tim Ballard's um, nonprofit, which is called Operation Underground Railroad, um, O-U-R for short. And he helps, uh, he, he's a big time advocate of stopping human trafficking. And there was a big raid that he did. One of his documentaries was in Haiti. Um, and he actually um, adopted two Haitian uh, children. And it was really cool. This was just recently within the last four or five years. And as you're talking, I can't help but rem you know remember all the things that he was showing her, and, it, and it's so true. But to talk to somebody who actually experienced this type yeah. of stuff is just absolutely insane. When you were in the orphanage, Cass, like I mean, I'll even rewind it more. When you were, you know, when you were working as a child slave before the missionary came by and and all that stuff, did you ever think in in your wildest dreams that you were ever going to find a life at the United States of America, or did you just think that hey, like this is this is the life I was given and I'm going to have to go through these hard times here in Haiti for the rest of my life. Um, 
actually as a as a little kid i didn't understand at the time and i had no idea but all i know was like that i was really miserable and had hopes in me but i didn't know like this would be my future man i mean how cool is that though that i mean i'm a big believer in in a god um i believe that there is somebody upstairs playing chess and he's putting people in the right positions to be you know blessed because he loves every single one of his children so not to make this a a religious discussion but i, I i'm just can't help but think that there's some divine influence there that allowed you to meet your you know adopted parents and they were able to to bring you here so you know you mentioned it it, made, it did make me smile um eating the pizza uh the pizza thing is is hilarious because like i mean yeah. i'm sure you weren't like that that might be a new thing for you and now you mentioned kaz that you were a skinny guy for those who if you're watching this on youtube um you'll see that Cass is not a skinny guy. Cass is, he's, he's, yeah. a, he's a, he's a running back. He's a collegiate running back, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, he's not a skinny guy. If you're just listening to this on Apple podcast, though, the audio version, just understand that Cass is not, is not a, a small individual. So obviously you've learned how to eat like an American, essentially, you know yeah. how to eat and, and fuel your body, but it just made me smile hearing about the pizza. Cause that's so cool. Like it's cool that you got to experience that. Um, what was it like transitioning over to the United States though? Do you remember like yeah. any kind of transitional difficulties, like trying to figure out what it's, how to live over here? Um, and what were some of the biggest changes that stood out to you when you were a little kid? Well, as a little kid coming to America. So when I was adopted, I was about six years old. Well, when my parents took me to Ohio where our home is, um, we lived, 20 minutes from Cedar Point, Sandusky, Ohio. And um, the thing was like, I still like had some habits that I carried over from Haiti. Like, you know, I was taught things against my wills from the child slavery, like stealing and all that other stuff. But I also like, with the food thing, I was like so obsessed with food that literally I, um, one night I just decided to get out of my bed while my parents were sleeping and go to the fridge. Cause I was obsessed with cheese at the time. I don't know why, but it was just a thing for me. And we had huge blocks of cheese. I literally ate them all. And then like the next day, I couldn't go to the bathroom and my parents found out that I was really miserable. And then they opened the fridge and said, Oh, that's why he's miserable. Hope you learned your lesson. <laughs> and then transitioning to America. Yeah, it was hard. Like I had to get used to the weather. I mean, it's always hot down in Haiti. So yeah, when I first got here, I was, like seeing snow, I thought it was something that was gonna kill me. And then the cold, I couldn't stand it because like I have that Caribbean blood in me. Couldn't understand the winter. And I still don't like it to this day. Really. <laughs> yeah, we were talking prior to the recording and uh, I'm from Idaho and I hate the snow. And we were talking about that. Ohio seems to be very similar to Idaho in that regard, um, in regards to like just, yeah, weather the cold and then the heat and then the cold and stuff. And it's just, uh, snow, snow's no fun. 
So, so Cass, you know, people are probably listening to this, you know, and they're wondering, okay, but he was introduced as it's a sports podcast. So he's introduced as a junior running back at Gallaudet University. Whoa. So how did this even turn into a football story? So now I want to start to kind of unpack. Now you've, you've transitioned, yeah. you know, you had a couple things to get so, used to in the United States, but when did you get into playing sports and how did that all happen for you? Well, well, it was like before I got into football, I had to like learn how to play with other children. And um, I had to learn how to speak English so those were the struggles. So at the time I had to learn those before I could get into anything. And as the years went on, I improved, improved with it. But other than that, um, it started with like, you know, fifth grade. Previous years I like played flag football, but tackle football in fifth grade, um, I was, I was sick for a couple of days and like, I had no idea what was going on in tackle football. Cause I missed a few practices and like, I wasn't even the starting running back yet. So then the whole game we were playing, I didn't even really play running back. My dad, my dad just said at the end of the game, you know, they're just learning. They're just kids, whatever happens, happens. And so he said, just said, Hey Cass, go run the play, go run this run play. And I just go and do my thing. I didn't even know what he meant. I just <laughs> went and ran the ball and the end of the game, I won it and just like scored the touchdown. And that was, that was the moment that hit me when I realized, well, maybe I don't have to have the Haiti habits that I used to have any more and that um, I can influence others with it. So as years went on, kept working with football, kept working with it. I liked it. Um, I played a few sports before, baseball, basketball, soccer, wrestling. Wasn't a fan of those. But other than that, as years went on, I had dreams to always play at the highest level. Um, middle school was great. Enjoyed enjoyed it. Um, high school, uh, not so much. I went to an all-white school, and, you know, the they didn't have, like, LGBTQ, minorities, international people, or people deaf or hard of hearing. And, you know... Some of those coaches there didn't respect me. Some of the kids there didn't respect me because it was mostly an all-white school. And, you know, that didn't stop me from pursuing my dream, though. They didn't think I could run a whole offense. And, you know, that that's when, like, colleges started coming out because I went to camp myself. I did it all myself. And my adoptive parents helped me. My trainer, Eric Jordan, he also helped me too. And um, I had my story go out there a few times, CNN, Max Pep. So yeah, um, went to a few camps, did the best I could. Colleges were happy, said they wanted to see more game film, but the problem is I, I didn't play as much 
before. So yeah, high school wasn't that great for me. I didn't enjoy it like that, but one call just came to me and it was the Gallaudet coach and he DM'd me on Twitter. He found me, he said, he said, we would be interested in you. And I said, cool and all that stuff. And then he, he said, I found you from Googling hard of hearing players. And I thought that was cool. Honestly, I was a little nervous though, because at the time he said, well, it's a, it's a deaf school. There's also other hard of hearing there. There's also hearing people there and many variety of people. So I did my research. I looked at it, even watched, you know, ESPN sports Center documentary on Gallaudet. At first I was like a little nervous. I was like, eh, do I really want to go to a deaf school or not? But then as the season, well, before the season started my senior year of high school, I went to take a visit. I thought they may, you know, it may, you know, have me open up more and say, this is what I like. But after the visit, I liked it, but I still wasn't like as interested because I didn't know if I would want to be in that situation. But then as, you know, as my senior year went on, I um, did the best I could. I was hoping for more offers, but um, I just decided after that, you know what, maybe this school is for me. And they're the one that offered me the most out of the other schools that we're going to. And, and I was like, yeah, I should go to that school. And then I committed. And at the time I was like, you know, stressed out because my football season didn't go as well. And I just wanted to get out of town already. And um, the crazy part was when I first got to campus, I first met deaf people. I was so nervous because I never learned sign language before. Okay. And even on the field, I was nervous. I didn't know sign. I was confused with the play because I'm used to hearing it being voiced. And um, but after that, as things went along at Gallaudet, I started to open up to more deaf people and got used to them and got used to the other people you know, being in a diverse school, I got used to it and things started to get better. And now I'm just a happier person myself because I started opening up more about my story. And, you know, that's where Gallaudet comes in to help. And I felt like they play a big part in helping me with that. This is so unbelievable, Cass, because the other piece of the story that I don't want to just brush over is the fact that your high school experience was not uh, necessarily a positive one from your perspective. You didn't have the high school experience that you wanted to. Um, was there anything like, let's go back to your high school days for a second. Were there any things that you had 
from your life experiences when it was when you were a, a young boy in Haiti, going through the struggles that you went through, um, all the way up until you know you were adopted and you you moved to the United States and you're you're doing your thing growing up through, you know, were there any experiences that you were able to take with you to help you get through those hard times in high school where you were in an all white school, uh, not a very diverse location and you weren't having the experience you really wanted to have mentally that would have to be taxing emotionally that would have to be taxing but i'm just curious if there were any life lessons that you were able to implement to get you through those days that maybe you could share with anybody here maybe the young athletes that are listening to the show or the parents or the coaches well i would say i would say the saying i always go by is to survive and thrive see through those high school experience that weren't really positive. I just told myself, you've been through worse. You have to keep going. You can't stop now. You didn't come this far just to come this far. And I always say that to other kids too and younger people and even adults, I say, well, survive and thrive, just keep going. Like, it's not that hard. All you gotta do is just reach out to people, make connections and I've always wanted to get my story out there just to influence those that are looking up to me and tell them you can do it, don't give up. And that's also coming from my adoptive parents because they were always such a positive people. They raised me right. Um, they raised me to be different from society you know, how today society, they just want to do what everyone does. But me, um, my parents just raised me to be different from them. And they wanted me to be the best person I can be and look out for those. And also not only grow my platform, but also like look out for Haiti too, because before that, I never thought of that stuff. So that's where it all comes into being positive. Cause like I said earlier, when I got to America and I started playing football, I was saying, maybe this life isn't so bad. I can do better. I don't always have to do it the Haiti way that I experienced. I can do better. I can impact those who look up to me. I love that. That's the, that's a good mantra, survive and thrive. Um, and it's cool to see that you were able to to get through those tough situations. Um, I hope if you're a young athlete listening to this, a uh, parent of a young athlete or even a coach of an athlete, uh, listen to to Cass's story real quick and just take notes of, you know, when things get tough, just just keep just keep remembering to to move forward, survive and thrive. Uh, it could be worse. And is so long as you keep pushing forward, obviously good things can happen. And you know, you got to Gallaudet. And you mentioned, you know, you're hard of hearing yourself, but you're not fully deaf and you never learned, um, what'd you say? You never learned sign language. So I, yeah. I actually wanted to ask you a little bit more about that because it's one thing when I, when I lived in Brazil, I had to learn how to speak Portuguese, but even though I didn't know Portuguese when we got there, you could somewhat communicate with people based on different things. Um, you could get a dictionary out and, and try to say the words or whatever it may be. And you could kind of get so long as you knew the little words like where's the bathroom and certain things you could get by but i'm curious 
was it difficult uh, when you first got to Gallaudet? Like, if you don't know sign language, how did you communicate with those who, who needed to have sign language? And have you since learned sign language? Are you able to use sign language now that you're a junior over at the school? Yeah, I'm still learning to this day. I'm not the best at it, but I'm still learning and doing as much as I can with the sign language and the deaf community. But other than that, um, I learned a little bit of sign language my senior year of high school, but I, you know, didn't know it as much because I was learning online. I wasn't really learning from a person, so that didn't help. Um, interpreters, I had interpreters help me. Um, even, even deaf people helped me. And then, um, like I had hearing people, they would interpret for me. So yeah, and then I just like, you know, you just have to surround yourself with deaf people if you want to learn, just like with any other language, surround yourself with them and, you know, you get better and better every day. That's how I learned sign language. And and it was the one of the best choice I've ever made because it turned out those deaf people and hard of hearing people do support me and what I do. Because at first, when I when I was intimidated at first, I didn't know what was going on. I was like, I was like, well, I'm gonna have a hard time here, but maybe I can do it. So that's when, you know, deaf people started looking out for me and, and they would sign me and spell words. Like if I didn't understand something, I would ask them, how do you sign this? How do you sign that? And I would like spell it to them with my fingers. You know, like I'd say, I'd say my name is Cass. You know, I'm from Ohio. Things like that, that. I would do, and you know, it's pretty unique. I mean, all the deaf people and hard of hearing and hearing people, they're from everywhere. They're not just from one specific area. They're from everywhere and even out of the country. That's what's so nice about that college. That That's awesome, man. I It's just so cool how you were able to adapt to it all and mm-hmm. learn on the go. And, you know, it's awesome that we have interpreters in this world. That's another, like amazing thing that we have to be able to communicate with one another and you're able to just connect with different individuals. Now um, I do want to ask a little bit about the, the competition that you guys face um, and, and the experience at Gallaudet with, with the type of personnel that you have on the team and the program compared to the personnel that maybe you had growing up and, and I guess a quote unquote regular football team or something. Is it different? Do you guys have to communicate differently at the snap yeah. um, and, and such? So what's the, what's the, the feel like when playing football at Gallaudet? Uh, at first, it, at first it was difficult. Didn't know sign, but as soon as I learned it, I started figuring things out. And lately I've been watching a lot of film on our team and that's how I'm getting better with signing. But, um, to be honest with you, it's really, really hard to communicate. Like, you have to communicate just like you do in life. We communicate, we win games. But we don't. We don't win games. That's how it works for us. Um, but we we all um, 
we all just have to know the signs to every play. And then um, to snap the ball, the quarterback would tap the center and um, or give like a head bop to let us know when to go. And um, we just have to also pay attention to the quarterback and the coach would be on the sidelines signing plays like 12, 13 or whatever. And um, we just have to pay attention. And then like with Gallaudet, since, since some people on the team don't hear at all, sometimes it, all of us as a team would forget, well, the play, the play has stopped, but we're continuing instead of stopping. Sometimes the ref has to debate, do I give them a flag or do I not? Because, you know, some don't understand that, like, you know, the whistle blown. I think I think like they need like a flashing light or something so we all could know when the play stopped. But I do know when the play stopped because I hear the whistle. But other than Man, that, that, that's like interesting though, right? Yeah, that's interesting. I like our team. Um, I think we're gonna have a really good year, and I'm excited to go back. Oh, I'm. I'm glad to hear that. And that is super insightful. I want the the football fans out there to understand that like there are teams like in schools like Gallaudet that, that are out there providing opportunities like this to people like Cass um, to play football, but it is an adjustment. And I love that you mentioned how communication is such a big piece. Communication is vital in life. And that's exactly what you just said. There's there's parallels between sports and life. And that's right. what I like to show on this this podcast is like communication, especially for you guys. It might look different than it does to a, a traditional team because you're you're doing you're communicating in a different way, but it's also vital that everybody is on the same page. And yeah. if they're not, then it's gonna be yeah, you know, it's yeah. gonna be tough. Yeah. That's what I mentioned. We communicate, we win game, but if we don't, we don't win game. Ah, it's so that's such a such a cool piece of info though, too. It's so so much like real life. And I love that. So Cass going into next season, uh, junior running back, tell us a little bit about your, uh, athleticism. Cause like I said before, you're not a small guy anymore. You might've come over here as a skinny kid or something, but you're not anymore. You're, you're putting on some muscle there. Uh, talk to us about your off season routine, what you've been doing to prepare for the season and what we can expect from you. So, um, I'm, I'm about five, eight, one ninety. Um, my off season routine, my goal was to like, you know, bulk up, get faster, and but mostly, mostly just to learn the plays in sign language so I can go back and be ready. Because coach has been telling me, you need to be ready, you need to be ready, you need to be ready, so that our team can have success. But mostly, I've been trying to communicate with the team. Um, we've had some meetings during COVID. We've had some exercises planned for um, COVID while we were all at home. Didn't have a season my sophomore year. Um, but other than that, I usually I usually go down to my trainer, Eric Jordan's place, which is called Next Level, located in Sandusky, Ohio. I would... Um, I would go train with Eric and 
you know, we do like explosive lifting. We would do like conditioning and like, I'd take some kids under my wing. Um, one of the kids I've been taking under my wing right now is a really good kid. His name's Easton Young and I've been blessed to train him because he looks up to me. And um, ever since like I started TikTok, he started saying, you know, I think what you went through is unfortunate, but I think what you're doing now is really cool. So it's nice to have a younger kid that I didn't even know back in high school to tell me some positive thing because I don't hear that all the time. Then like, I'll just happy a kid like that just decided to come up to me and say, I want to work out with you. I want to get better for my high school season. You know, it shows Cass that your story and your example is inspiring younger individuals. Like that's, that's a really cool thing. You're leading by example. Your story has, has helped inspire, but then obviously you put in the work and uh, someone else saw that. So that's really cool. And I, and I hope my hopes with this show, this interview is that other people are able to see the same thing. They're, they're able to be inspired by your story and your example. And uh, we look forward to seeing you go into next year. It's cool that you're staying ready. It's that whole concept of if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. You know what I mean? And, and you're staying ready. You're getting ready to, to go back for your junior year after having a year of not playing because of the pandemic. But now you're getting ready to go and play some ball. Um, and I want to know what we can expect to see from Cass in the future. Um, when football's all over, what would you like to do, Cass? What's your life goals? What do you want to do? Uh, is there anything that you enjoy doing outside of the sport of football? Well, I mean, in football, just to play at the highest level of football, after college, um, I hope to keep playing football if the opportunity's there. But other than that, I am majoring in physical education of recreation. Um, I want to be like my trainer who, um, who does strength conditioning coach. And he owns his own business for that stuff. So I, I want to, you know, do that. So like I said earlier, I've been like helping kids in my area as much as I can take the time. And actually we have a camp Saturday um, to help the youth kids hosted by one of my buddies who's going to be a freshman in college. And I'm helping out with that, but like, other than that, um, other than that, we just, we just, uh, other than that, in the future, I just want to keep building my platform and I want to like, you know, keep being a positive influence because I have a really big heart for others when it comes to that stuff. I want to see not only me succeed, but I want to see others succeed from me, inspiring them to do better. I love that. You're going to be a light in the world. You already are a light in the world where there's a lot of darkness. You know what I mean? You, there's a lot of darkness where you came from, but there's a lot of darkness all around. Um, and when you can be a positive light and a positive influence, um, that can that can spread away the darkness. And so keep being the light, Cass. Keep doing that. Keep working hard. Keep inspiring because for me, I'm inspired. I was inspired by your story before I even talked to you. Now I'm even more inspired. I can't wait to talk to my family about this when we're done recording. I will talk to my wife about it because I'm just like so blown away with how you've persevered. And I look forward to continuing the 
the relationship here with you outside of this podcast, just oh, staying yeah. in touch with you and, and connecting and just following your journey along the way. But for all those listening, one piece of advice I want you to, to it, your biggest piece of advice through life, whether it, maybe it's survive and thrive, but if it's something else, what's the biggest thing you've learned through life and football that you could, you know, share with the audience before we sign off? Like I said earlier, the advice that I would give to everybody to survive and thrive, but also like football has not only not only made me want to work harder, but it has created family all around for me. Like if you make connections, you can get your story out there, you can get your name out there, you can help others out there who are struggling. I mean, even a loved one, a friend, or whoever, and um, just be you. Don't worry about what people in society think today. Do what's right instead of what's popular. Be a better person yourself. Um, look out for those that are struggling. You may have someone who's a stranger, who's a fan of yours, and you know if they take the time out of their day to do something for you, always give them that respect that they deserve. I mean, just overall be a positive influence to those who look up to you and that are following your journey. I dig it. I hope everyone took notes, man. I hope everyone took notes of this. And I, I really, really hope uh, the best for you, Cass, as you continue to be a light, as you continue to be an influence uh, and you continue to work on your, your, your football journey. Um, keep pushing and hopefully we'll see you at the next level of football as well. And I can't wait to see what you do this year, man. I just want to say thank you once again for, for joining me. And I want to tell the audience, you know, if you guys enjoyed this one, leave us a review on Apple podcasts, let us know what you thought of the podcast, what you thought about the interview and share this with your friends and family. So more people can hear Cass's story. So Cass, thank you so much once again for joining the show, man. Thank you for having me, Shane. I appreciate you, man. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.